Welcome to Rebecca Wendy podcast and it contains strong language and adult themes as it should do. Again, and so now I have to climb onto my. 
knees and then climb over the side of the bed. Now, just so you know, I am not little. I am not someone that has done yoga all the time that can bend themselves and contort themselves and, you know, can lift their leg up and slide through. I am not that. I am big. I am very short and I am big. And so moving my body, I have to get my body from my, so I've, I've kind of, I'm, I'm still on my back, but I'm kind of on my side as I've got my arm out. And now I've got to go onto my stomach or I have to, as I've done before, try and crab crawl it. So I'm still on my back. I've raised myself upwards and sort of lifted my leg over the top of my daughter still like with my front facing upwards crab crawling over the top of her without falling on her i have tried that before but today i did not do that last night i did not do that because i did not think i would make it i was so tired and i was so busting i didn't think that i could manage the crab crawling so i somehow had to flip myself around without touching or moving the two people that are glued inside of me so in a feat that should that these things should be you know I, you know how they do gymnastics and they do all these lip flips and spins and they get around bars getting yourself out between two little people in the middle of the night when you're busting is a skill it, it, like it, it it's it's gymnastics and I'm sure it's it's beautiful in its own weird way so I have to turn myself on the spot not touching them try and raise myself up and turn around without groaning and grunting either and like I said I don't I'm not little and so I'm actually having to lift weights and turn around and then once I've managed to get sort of on my knees or even almost in a push-up stance and then having to lift my leg over my daughter having to make my way now, now I'm going to go okay well one leg's over one leg's there do I just flop the other leg over and then move the hands but I'm likely to fall my, my belly is likely to land on her you know this is a belly that's had 13 kids in 21 years 10 20 years so the, the the gap between my muscles is still like four fingers. It's still huge. And so I look like I'm pregnant all the time. I always get asked, are you pregnant? Because I've got this belly that looks like I'm pregnant all the time. But it looks like I'm about eight months pregnant because it sits out so far. And I know people are going to say, you know, you can do stuff to breathe. I know that. And it's not there because I've necessarily had all those kids, though it is. It's also there because I haven't done anything to bring it in. I really like wearing a corset, but I, I hate putting a corset on because it takes time and effort that I do not want to do. Um, and I know that there are things that I can do to bring my belly in. I know that there's things I can do. I haven't done it because I just haven't. I can say I don't have the time. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can give you a number of excuses, but I haven't done it. So I still look like I'm eight months pregnant. And I get asked whether I'm pregnant lots and lots and lots. So the choices are, let my belly that looks like it's pregnant flop under my daughter, or I've got to I've got to get my arm across as well. So now I've got one foot, one arm, she's underneath me as my butt's high in the air, 
you're over near my son. And this is the time where you get to the point where they move, especially the one-year-old. He moves, trying to find the warmth that was that was me. And I completely freeze. It's like I I, I even hold my breath. Do not move. Now, just be aware at this time the stomach feels like it's tearing open. The wind is coming quite freely because I am needing to go to the toilet. I have this fear in the back of my mind that one more fart might just not be a fart anymore. So here I am. There, he makes a noise. I freeze, everything clenches. It's like, just do not move. Because I know then I would have to do the dash, if he's crying, go toilet, which is not fun and not relaxing, and then dash back. He moves position and he stops and goes back to sleep. My daughter moves underneath me and it's almost as though I jump from the position that I'm in when they finish doing like their pirouette and they jump at the end of the thing and land on the ground. It's like, do not move, do not touch anyone. And then I have to get out of the room that I'm in. Now the room that I'm in, see, this, this gets even better. The room that I'm in has a, a door that is the loudest door in our house. Normally, I quite like it because I am a very light sleeper myself, and I like to know when someone's walking into my, like coming into my area. So I quite like the fact that I can hear when someone's coming in. Ooh. And so the door is quite loud. This works really, really well when it's during the day and um, you hear people going and coming and going or if um, someone comes in the room at night and things like that but you're, you're awake and you're, you're there to pat or um, anybody that wakes up. But when I'm the one leaving the room, I have tried opening the door slowly. I've tried swinging it open fast. I have tried all the different things to make it more quiet. Now, I don't really want to make it more quiet because I like that knowledge of when someone's walking in. I, I, that's kind of settling in its own weird way. But trying to get out of the room when I need to go to the toilet is... Um, Last night, I went up to the door and I put my hand against the door and I turned the handle, but it's an old house, so the handle's already creaking. Um, and I, as slow as I can, I haven't done it this way yet, I pull it open, thinking maybe I'll get just a shh, not the whole sound. I don't. I get the whole sound as it creaks open and, that, and that's my old door that's my old house sounds for anyone that, that, that wants to know what the hell that was that's my old house sound <laughs> um i can't believe i did that twice uh and so there it is it's making that ridiculous sound and i end up just going fuck it i'm just gonna pull it open quicker at this stage I hear my one-year-old. He starts his, ah, and I'm like, no, I'm going to the toilet. This is, 
this is pain. So I'm walking to the I'm not running. I have a I have a tendency to want to run, but I also know myself. If I start running now, with the amount of crap that's on the floor, because there's shoes in the hallway and there's, you know, there was a leg to some kind of toy, I'm gonna trip. And I'm gonna end up on my face. And as I fall, I'm my pelvic floors are not gonna hold my bladder. <laughs> I'm gonna fall flat in my face and it's not gonna be so, I walk. I walk carefully and I get to the toilet. Thankfully, he has re my one year old has resettled himself. But I don't hear screaming throughout the house. So I go toilet. But it's one of those times where you go toilet and instead of just being able to sit and just, you know, you know, it feels better when you just release all that built up poop, it's painful because there's more there. Like it's that stomach churning i'm not talking about like a bladder infection not that kind of stuff but that poop pain like there's still more there and so it was so painful to release this poop um and it seemed to take forever and then finally it's done everything is quiet in the house and i'm free to go back to the bedroom and i'm like yes oh I feel better. I found by this stage I um, I had not drunk enough the day before. It was quite a warm day and I hadn't drunk enough and I had a headache and it was just a dehydration headache and I had like four coffees, which I normally don't have, but I was out with a women's group and it was fun and we drank coffee and, you know, I had four coffees and I had a headache. And I also hadn't had dinner because my, um, my eating has been a bit everywhere. So... I don't eat breakfast normally, or if I do, it's tiny. I normally have coffee. And then through lunchtime, afternoon tea is where I eat afternoon tea. Who has afternoon tea? Um, um, in the afternoon, I usually eat a large amount of food. But then come dinner time, I'm not hungry, so I don't eat. But last night, I actually felt really sick. And I think that's because I actually, I, I felt really, really sick morning until I actually ate something and went okay I feel better now so obviously I was hungry and I thought about eating then I checked the time bloody hell I forgot my watch it was four o'clock and I thought no I don't want to eat I'm just gonna have to I'll have a drink I filled up my water again have a drink and um I'll just go back to bed I'll deal with it but I actually felt like I was gonna be sick because I was I was hungry um then come, I have to get back through. The, oh no, the door's open. I have to close the door again. Now that doesn't is not so bad in my mind because I'm right there to comfort them if I need to. So I close the door. And um, but now I'm left with a different scenario. So I had to um, I put my phone on charge because I hadn't put that on charge. Um, I got myself water. I with the cats I can't remember what it was but they were all around my feet like they wanted food and I went no it's four o'clock in the morning you know if you're gonna get in my way I'm walking around in the dark um if you're gonna get in my way I'm going to just scoot my feet so if you're gonna get in my way you're gonna get kicked um so <coughs> I know that's not very cat lover the dog was asleep he was um if he had a bark then the whole house would 
way he stayed asleep, he knew it was me. Now, after I've, I've had a drink, I've drank a whole bunch, I've, um, which is not always a great thing to do because then I thought, oh, maybe I need to go to a toilet, but of course I didn't. Because unless I'm fasting to go to a toilet, then I'm not going to go. Uh, I know that that's bad, and you, but you've got so many things that you need to do and you get so little sleep as it is, you just need to go where you need to go, not go just because. Um, and, but now I have a situation. While I was in the toilet, not only did my son, as I was leaving, grizzle and try and find me, but he's moved himself over and my daughter has moved herself over, my five-year-old. My three-year-old isn't in the room at the moment. My, um, my ex-partner was separated on the same roof and she was um, decided that she wouldn't sleep with that. Uh, and that's fine. So, so I've got the two of them um, there and they've moved over. But now there is nowhere for me to fit other than in the middle. And, it, and because my one-year-old, I'm going to have to feed him as soon as he wakes up. If I'm on the other side of the bed, then I'm going to lean over my five-year-old, which is going to wake her up. So I had to try and figure out how to get myself in a gap that was way too small for me to fit in without waking anybody. So now I have this like reverse gymnastic where I, it feels like trying to fit a very large oblong shape into a, a rectangular hole. It just doesn't work. So, and it's pitch black by the way, so I can't see, I've felt where people are and I've felt the gap and gone, that's not, I'm not going to fit in that. I thought, look, if I just go halfway in, I can sort of move people around. But for some reason, my one-year-old felt like he weighed, I don't know, like 30 kilos. So what I did is, there I am, I've got one foot in like I'm standing on it. But that's not a great thing to do because then it falls in the middle and everybody rolls into the middle. So I didn't put all my weight on it, but it was still enough. People started to roll into the middle. So this was not great. So I had to almost jump myself into that gap before everybody rolled into the middle around my foot. So now I've got leaping. You know, this is, I, I should be, I had my Fitbit on. It should be telling me I'm doing gymnastics in the middle of the night. So the idea of getting out, and now I have to contour my way back in. So now I'm leaping back in. But I've got to sort of sit myself down really quickly and I ended up on someone's arm so I had to sort of lift myself up and move their arm and then they as I'm moving my daughter's arm she rolled so she, uh, she's moved her arm closest to me so then I've she's rolled her whole body I'm not even sitting like I'm, I'm my butt is now kind of crouching not sitting on my butt and she's rolled over it's like I'm not even I'm not even I'm not even in bed And then um, I sit down and I manage to get my legs down. But I'm in a full sitting up position. There is no laying down. And then my one-year-old knows that I'm there, grizzles, crawls up on me like he wants to feed. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this right now. So I just, I just want to hop back into bed. I can feed you when I'm in bed. And then he, instead of wanting a feed, he just flops under my chest and goes to sleep. I am still in the sitting up position. So I try and lay back and just go, I'm going to be fine. My head hits the back um, board 
don't want to feed at this point. I know that sounds terrible, but it's just I have fed so many times during the night, I don't want to feed again. I just want to wait till, you know, it's morning when he has his normal feed. I don't want to have to do these piddly little three-minute feeds that are frustrating, but you can't take the boob out of his mouth, even after he's asleep after the three minutes, because all he wants is a pacifier, and we don't use dummies. Um, he wants the boob in his mouth just to go to sleep, and now that he's asleep, and when he's asleep, I can't just remove the boob. He doesn't want that. It's almost like he has to have the boob in there for a good 20 minutes, half an hour, before he'll let me move it. And I really didn't want to be sitting in this position for 20 minutes, half an hour. This just would not work. And sometimes I can just go, fuck it, I'm moving down, I, you know, you'll cry, but at least I'll put the boob in your mouth and I'm comfortable and I'm warm. But I also had my other daughter that was rolled in that's like, okay, if I just stay really still, everybody will go back to sleep enough and they'll go into a deep enough sleep that then I can shuffle down and be comfortable again. But that took, that took about 10 minutes of little shuffling, patting, you waiting. Do you hear the breathing changes? Little shuffling, patting. And, and, and finally I'm in bed. So the whole, the, the whole, um, what do you call ordeal of going to the toilet in the middle of the night is probably taken like half an hour, 45 minutes. Not because I spent half an hour or 45 minutes on the toilet, because I have taken the time and the precision to get out of my bed without waking anybody and then gone to the toilet, done whatever I need to, and then having to take the time and the precision to not wake anybody. Now, when my ex and I were together, he would get out and it doesn't matter who was next to him, he would get out and then just sort of talk and he'd get back in by just pushing them to the side. And of course, if they woke up, then they woke up. That was my issue. He didn't take the time to get himself free. He didn't take, it, it doesn't seem to be in their brains to go, okay, we need to, we need to be surgeons and gymnasts and every, we need to make sure they don't wake up because he had someone else to help put them back to sleep. When it's me, I've got to put them back to sleep. So I have to be careful. And this seems to be a repeating factor. I have no doubt you guys have hugely funny stories where you've had to try and get yourself out of bed in this weird way to try and do something like go to the toilet. Uh, when, uh, continue on the theme. Again, when my ex and I were together, we did a little bit of traveling in small spaces. So once we were in a boat, another time we were in a bus. But each time, my ex would say he could only sleep on the side of the bed that was closest to getting up. And because we couldn't have a bed that was, um, you know, you got out each side, you only had one side to get out. So that bed was like cross, cross 
side of your finger or on the other. And it was only one way to get out, and that was to get out sort of the, the front side, but that was the side that my ex would sleep on. And he would say that he could not sleep on the other side. So when I was pregnant, and I'm not a little, like, I, I wasn't as big as I am now, but I also am not someone who is pregnant with a small body. I get very largely pregnant. My stomach is massive. But he wouldn't compromise. So I, he's me. And can you imagine? Okay, so you've got an eight-month pregnant woman, massive belly, massive. And she is having to, at that stage we had one of our children in our bed. And so the, the, our daughter then would sleep between us and um, I was on the far side, right hard up against the wall. So I was, I was on the, in, like in the bus or the boat, whatever, whichever one it was, it was on both of them. I was hard up against the back. That was where I was. And because I was hard up against the back, to get up to the toilet, it means I had to climb over two people. Now, when you are that pregnant, turning over on the spot is hard enough. It takes effort and it's sore. And, it, you know, to turn from one side to another without belly, it's not something you necessarily do without waking up because you are so heavy. Um, and if, God forbid, some way in the middle of the night, accidentally go to turn stomach wise and you hit your stomach on the side you'll wake up and go oh that really hurt um and then you've got you know turning over from the back you, you have to physically lift yourself up and because I, I was hard up on the back wall and I had a daughter in between me and my husband my then husband um I would literally have to lift myself up and turn myself on the spot, almost like I'm turning a spit really slowly. And that would, that would be hard enough. But then getting up to the toilet, which at that point in your pregnancy, you do a lot, I would have to get up and climb over two people. One is also nearly as big as me. So you've got a tiny little thing and then you've got a, you know, a big man. So I, I could move down towards the end of the bed so I didn't disturb my daughter. That was fine. But the roof was really short. So I couldn't sit up. I couldn't stand up. I, it was really, really short. So I had to make my way over my husband. And then the drop down to the floor was actually really high. So to get up onto the bed, I wouldn't just, you know, it wasn't just sort of a turn around and sit your bum on the bed. I would actually have to climb on the bed properly. Because I had to climb on the bed, the drop down from the bed was actually quite high. So I would, I'm really short. So I'm only 5'2", which is hundred. 52 centimeters, I think, for those in metric. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm only 5'2", so I'm short. And with that, I would have to make my way towards the end of the bed and climb, you know, getting past my daughter wasn't the hardest bit. And thankfully she was a very deep sleeper at the time. But getting over my then husband was a lot harder because I had to find a way over him that would allow me to drop to the floor and if I did it like if I, I climbed over him and then had my belly against him and I dropped to the floor belly facing the bed often I would hurt my belly because it would hit the side of the bed and um, so unless I sort of held it and then did that then I could Where if I turned the other way uh, and I faced outwards and I sort of slid down the bed, sometimes I would lose balance and then fall forward and having to catch myself when I'm that pregnant. It's in a tight space, but there's often there's places to catch yourself, but it's it's everywhere. Can you can you fathom how? I mean, this is an art. Being pregnant and getting out of bed is an art in itself. If you're co-sleeping and you're pregnant, moving around is also an art, so you don't wake anybody else. But if you're pregnant and you're co-sleeping and you actually have to climb over somebody else to get out, that that's a skill. That's a, I mean, seriously. That needs an award. I did this, oh goodness me, I can't even remember. So much of our marriage was him on the outside and me having to climb over the top of him to get out of bed. There were so many places we were in that he built, because he built the beds. He built the beds like that. And it takes an art to get out of bed and not wake anyone. And by the time that I was close to nine months pregnant, there is no way that I wouldn't wake him as I got out of bed because I would moan, grunt, and you know, it would be so hard to get out of bed. I couldn't, I couldn't fathom that. And then once you have a little baby and you bring a baby into that bed, we still had our daughter in the bed, he was still in the bed, and of course I had a little baby that I would have there, and the baby's kind of attached to me the entire time, so I get up and he gets up, or um, the very few times that I could leave it in bed with him, so he'd cuddle it, and I could get up, and that wasn't, that wasn't the usual, that wasn't the norm, the norm was for me to be, you know, he'd get up with me, I'd put it on me, you know, do lots of feeding, carry it wherever I needed to go. Um, so there was a lot of all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so trying to then get up out of that bed that you've got to get yourself up now and a baby and your your post-pregnancy body, which is um, especially soon after, which you've got the, the whole issues to do with, with the bleeding and the, the um, just the way the body sits and, and then a brand new baby and your boobs and ah, uh, it's just, it, it, it is seriously like um, a sport. 
So I would love to hear um, uh, in the comments where you have had to remove yourself or move in a situation where you're co-sleeping like it's an Olympic sport, like you're a contortionist or um, it, like it's surgery, you're having to remove yourself out from around your, the people around you, people you're co-sleeping with, as to not wake them, but still needing desperately to do what you need to do, uh, especially with going to the toilet. Someone could just be getting up in the morning, you know, you need to get up first thing in the morning, or there's a child crying, oh God forbid that there was someone being sick. And you had to deal with it. You have to deal with it. And you kind of got to jump out of bed. But you really don't want the rest of the house screaming at you when you've got, you've already got someone vomiting. And in our house, if someone vomits and the other kids can hear it, you have a whole bunch of, oh, that's disgusting. And, you know, la, 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 as people putting their hands in it. It's already noisy. It's already chaos. So the idea that you can, um, to bring in a, a crying baby on top of that and, and then crying a crying three-year-old and a crying five-year-old in the middle of the night, that is not, that is not fun at all. Uh, so when if you had to remove yourself from a situation to either go toilet or to deal with something in the middle of the night without waking the people around you, and how did you go about it? And what, what Olympic sport would you class it? Was it gymnastics? Was it contortionism? I'm sure that may not be Olympic sport, but I'm sure we can make one. Was it like surgery and the fact that you had to be so precise in how you did it? How was it that you removed yourself? I'd love to hear that in the comments. Thank you so much for listening to my weird tales. Um, I look forward to hearing from you. Bye.